And now would you turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 17, is Matthew's record of the uh, triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And that will then be our focus for our message this morning. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 17, hear the word of the Lord. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughters of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never heard? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Let's uh, ask God's blessing on his word proclaimed. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us these scriptures. Thank you, O Lord, for uh, including Jesus' triumphal entry. O Lord, we pray that you would teach and instruct us and that your word would uh, penetrate to our souls and change us. For Jesus' sake, amen. You may be seated. In the church I served in Jenison, uh, Michigan, uh, I had the privilege of catechizing a a young man who uh, obviously uh, grew up and uh, left his uh, parents' home. He actually entered into the military for a a time. And uh, now he serves uh, in the Secret Service. 
and uh, actually goes ahead of the president when the president uh, it, it travels and uh, particularly, uh, you know, is going to uh, give uh, a public appearance at a certain city or a certain place. Uh, the Secret Service go ahead of time and they prepare the place. Uh, you know, when the president goes, usually there's great fanfare, uh, Many days in advance, the Secret Service go to make preparations. They determine, you know, the roads that uh, the president will take. And uh, they close off certain streets, you know, to make sure for safety purposes, of course. Security, all these security measures. And when the time comes, there's this crowd that gathers. And the president arrives in this shiny, usually armored, uh, plated vehicle, the band plays Hail to the Chief. I mean, it's a, it's a, a big to-do. Maybe some of you have experienced that and gone to see a, a president live when he has come to Denver, for example. And if you have, it's that same kind of excitement that we have portrayed for us here in Matthew chapter 21, in the triumphal entry of Jesus. This is that same excitement of the Jews when Jesus came into Jerusalem. And even for us, we sense that a bit. Palm Sunday is, a, is an, an uplifting day. It's a, it's a day where there's some excitement. Uh, you know, spring is in the air. I, I know it kind of comes and goes here and uh, this time of the year, but spring is actually in the air, and that's kind of exciting. We're eager for the warm weather and the, the summertime, and uh, uh, we know that this is the, you know, the, the beginning of uh, what is sometimes called Holy Week, uh, where on Friday uh, is Good Friday, and where we remember and re, uh, rejoice in the crucifixion of our Lord. And uh, the next Sunday is uh, Resurrection Sunday, where we rejoice in the resurrection of our Lord. Uh, and by the way, uh, we did uh, actually ask the church if we could use the building on Friday evening for a service, but uh, it was not available to us, unfortunately. And so we won't be able uh, to meet uh, this coming Friday uh, here. But uh, I believe, by the way, that... Uh, there is a, uh, a, a special Good Friday service uh, at our sister church in Loveland, and so uh, if, you would, if you desire uh, to have that, that, a time for that, you can uh, look into that and uh, take a little drive north uh, to Loveland for the evening. But uh, this is a, it's an exciting time of year, not just because of the weather, but because we are remembering this wonderful uh, time in, in the ministry of Jesus in which he became the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And the triumphal entry into Jerusalem is his triumphal entry to the cross. And I want us to look at this passage, and I chose the first 17 verses because I think there's two triumphal entries here. There is the triumphal entry of Jesus entering into Jerusalem, but there's a second triumphal entry where Jesus enters into the temple. And it's very important that we see that both of these are triumphal. 
So first of all, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, we have that recorded for us in the first 11 verses of uh, Matthew chapter 21. And one of the things that it, it, it drives home, Matthew is driving home, is that this is actually a humble occasion. It's a humble entry. Jesus came riding on a donkey. Now, usually when a triumphant king returns to his uh, place, he returns to his city after the, uh, winning a battle, he entered that city on a war horse, on a charger. It was, uh, there was a wowness to it. But not here. Jesus enters on a donkey. And because of that, some people really didn't know who he was. Some people didn't recognize who he was. Uh, verse 11 tells us that people were, you know, wondering, who is this? And the crowd says, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And so they, they, they pegged Jesus along with Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah, and the Old Testament prophets. That's, that's who we have here. Jesus is a prophet. We know that Caiaphas did not uh, know and understand who Jesus was. Later in this week, Pilate is going to ask him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus' answer is yes. <laughs> but not the kind of king you're thinking about. My kingdom isn't of this world. And Pilate didn't get that. So in that sense, it was quite a humble uh, entry into Jerusalem. Uh, not everybody really knew what was happening here. Uh, but you have prophesied in Zechariah 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And here we have Jesus fulfilling that prophecy. And people, not everybody, understood. Here is the King of kings. Here is the Lord of lords entering the city. Nonetheless, though it was a humble entry, it was an honored one. Because there were many who actually did recognize Jesus as king. And as such, there was this spontaneous uh, par parade that happened where the cloaks were spread on the, on the road, palm branches were laid down uh, on the road, others were waving their palm branches. This, these are the signs of victory. Victory. Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna means God save. Here's the son of David. So they recognize that this was the, the Savior who was the promised one, the promised son of King David. And the daughters of Zion were rejoicing greatly. The daughters of Jerusalem were shouting. All of this was taking place. This is the king coming. This is the promised Messiah. 
Now, why do you think there was so much excitement at the coming of Jesus? Well, they expected from the promised Messiah of their studies of the Old Testament what actually we look forward to in our looking ahead and anticipating in the coming new heavens and new earth. That's what they were anticipating at that time. Where all the wrong would be set to right. That's what they were anticipating. Where every valley would be filled in and every mountain brought low. Where all the crooked places would be made straight. And all the rough places smooth. That's what they were looking for. Where there would be a time of endless prosperity. Where the temple would be having been rebuilt and God would fill it with his glory. Where the deserts would bloom. The lame would walk. The blind would see. The deaf would hear. The mute would sing for joy. That's what they were anticipating. That's what they were looking forward to. They were looking for all kings and all peoples from around the world to come to Jerusalem, to come to the temple, to come to acknowledge their king. That's what they were looking for. To worship Israel's God. They were looking forward to a time where peace would prevail. In other words, they were looking for the perfect kingdom. And the Messiah's coming would commence a glorious, wondrous, beautiful time for his people. That's what they were anticipating. And it's no wonder then that they were lifting up their voices. Hosanna, God save. Hosanna. So what happened? What does Jesus do? Well, Jesus entered the temple. This is what I would say the second triumphal entry. He entered not just Jerusalem, he entered the temple. And he drove out the buyers and the sellers, overturned the tables uh, of the money changers and the, the benches of those selling pigeons. And he quotes from Isaiah and Jeremiah and Psalm 8. And then he leaves the temple, leaves Jerusalem, goes to Bethany. What a letdown <laughs> from what the people were longing for, looking forward to. Jesus didn't do what they, what they expected. This was a letdown. But I want us to see that this was the triumph. What Jesus was doing in the temple. That was his triumphal entry. Because what Jesus is, re is doing is he is rejecting false, man-made, pharisaical worship. A worship that kind of became exclusive only for the elite. 
You see, the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem had uh, a series of outer courts. And the, the outside one, the, the one furthest outside, was the court of the Gentiles. And then there was a court of women. And then there was a court of Israel, which were the Jewish men. And then there was a court of priests. And then there's a holy place where one out of the numerous priests was chosen to be able to go into the holy place. And then there was the holy of holies where only the high priest could enter. So you have all of this sort of restrictions going on in the temple. And what this did was became a discouragement uh, for the Gentiles from coming. Because it was the court of the Gentiles, that outer court, that was filled with all of these tables and all of these booths and all of this selling and, 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 and uh, commerce going on. The court of the Gentiles was filled with the money changers and those who were selling the animals for sacrifice. It was a noisy place and left little room for Gentiles to actually come in and worship. And even if they did come in, they wouldn't be able to concentrate because of all the noise. There was no, no peace in that place. And I wonder, and probably is the case, that those who were involved in the selling of the animals and the money changers and such were thinking that they were doing a, uh, a favor. They were helping out the travelers. Uh, but the fact is that really they were doing it to make a profit. And Jesus then calls it a den of robbers. This is what you've done. You've, you've turned the temple of God into a den of thieves. Further, the, what they were doing was not only discouraging Gentiles from coming, they were discouraging those with disabilities, those with special needs from entering the temple. There was a, a time where if, if priests uh, became disabled for some one reason or another, another, they were no longer permitted to serve in the temple. And over time, that extended to anybody who had any disability whatsoever. They were excluded. They were not allowed to enter into the temple. The Qumran rule of the congregation said, the lame, the blind, the deaf, and the dumb are excluded from the congregation. And even it went on to say that they had no place in the banquet of the Messiah, the Messianic banquet. And further, what they were doing with all of these uh, courts and, and, and filling it with all of this as they were discouraging children from coming. Children were seen as restless and noisy. Well, they are. <laughs> but that was, for them, a nuisance. That was a problem. And the chief priests and the scribes, they were indignant that these children would praise Jesus. 
Now, what I want to say is this was not the case initially when uh, Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, this was not the case. What, what was happening, all of these restrictions and, and discouragements happened afterward over centuries of man-made rules and laws. And Jesus entering into the temple and throwing out these things, he is rejecting the false worship of his day, the false worship of God. And to put it positively, he is restoring the true worship, true godly worship, that, that it is inclusive for all. And so, and this is how we need to understand this as we read a passage like this, verses 12 and following. Jesus entered the temple, drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Now, I want us to be clear. You know, we can, we can make wrong applications to this. I don't believe that the point is that Jesus is teaching us that we cannot exchange money in a church building. I think that would be a wrong, uh, a, a wrong application of what Jesus here is saying. What Jesus is doing is he is making room for Gentiles. That's what he's doing. He's removing all of the clutter out of the Gentile court so that there's room for Gentiles to enter. That's what Jesus is doing. Praise God for that. That's what we need to see because most of us, probably all of us, don't have Hebrew background, uh, Jewish background. Uh, I certainly don't. My parents came from Northern Europe, uh, and, and uh, you know, that, a, a far cry. Thanks be to God that Christ came and cleared out these money changers so that he could make room for me and you in his worship, in his family. That's what Jesus is doing. He's making room for the Gentiles, creating a peaceful place for them to worship God. You know, that quote that Jesus gives uh, in, in, uh, from Isaiah 56, verse 7, says, Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. That's what Isaiah 56, 7 says. And Jesus, the Messiah, is making the rough places smooth for Gentiles to worship. That's what he's doing. But he's doing more than that. Because we read that he healed the blind and the lame in the temple. The, the blind and the lame came into the temple. They weren't supposed to, but they came and Jesus healed them. Jesus is saying that there is a place in the worship of God for those who have special needs. Praise be to God for that. We should rejoice that that is the case. He is the heal, healer of those who might be disfigured disabled in some way or another. Jesus, the Messiah, triumphantly is making 
rough places smooth for the disabled to worship him. Isn't that wonderful? He's opening up the worship, the restricted worship, so Jews, uh, so Gentiles can join. He's opening up restricted worship so that the disabled could come in and worship him. And then he commends the children, the worship of children. The chief priests and the scribes, they were indignant. And Jesus quoted Psalm 8. Have you not heard out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise? For many reasons, uh, we welcome children in our worship services. This is one of them. This is one of them. We believe that children uh, are members of the church of Jesus Christ. They are part of the family of Jesus Christ and ought to then join the family when the family worships, our church family. They're part of the family. I have never been uh, one who uh, have been involved in a church, and I would uh, argue strongly against it, where when it's time for the sermon, the children leave and do their own thing. The ch- children should be part of it. The children should hear the means of grace. If we believe that preaching is a means of grace and the key of the kingdom, we should want our children to be hearing that. And I know that often we say that, or some say that, well, they're too young, they don't get anything out of it. Uh, I deny that with every fiber of my being. <laughs> I think children get more out of it than we give them credit for. And they, they hear more than we think. And God uses that to build them up. And so uh, Jesus here is opening up for children. He is making the rough places smooth for children to worship him. And another thing he is doing, I think, is he is preparing for Good Friday. He is preparing for Good Friday because what he did here angered the spiritual elite, angered the leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees. And what happened when Jesus died? What happened when, when Christ hung upon the cross? We read he, he, he breathed his last, he gave up the spirit, and the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The curtain in the temple, that which separated the holy place from the holy of holies, that thick curtain, can you imagine? Torn from top to bottom the curtain that separated the high priest from the presence of God. At his death, that curtain is torn. Making the point, signifying that all may come into his presence. All may enter. 
All may worship. All may praise. Because of Christ. And only through Jesus Christ. This is the great triumph of the triumphal entry. Yes, it was no doubt a great, amazing parade as Jesus entered Jerusalem. But the triumph is his enter into the temple where he rejected false worship, man-made rules, man-made laws. We're seeing this theme again and again in our study of Mark. It's here as well in Matthew because it is the, the heart of the ministry of Jesus. It is not by our works. It's not by the rules of man that we come near to God, but it is only by his atoning sacrifice. And Jesus is opening up, and he is preparing the way for that. The triumph was his entry into the temple. True worship is worship that includes all who come cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And in this day, congregation, where there's a lot of talk about you know, social justice and all these matters, uh, you know, and we, we all may have our opinions about these things, but one thing is, is sure, one thing is sure, that those who belong to the kingdom of God, those for whom Christ died, are not of one race, but of every race. That wonderful uh, picture we have in Revelation of this multitude that no man can number that John sees from every tongue and race and peoples and tribes are together praising God, rejoicing, doing what the people were doing here in Jerusalem as Jesus entered. They were, they were saying, Hosanna to the son of David. We should have that vision for the church. We should have that vision for Coram Deo. It's not just for people that have the same skin color or people that have the same background. The church of Jesus Christ is made up of all peoples from all nations. We have all been created in God's image. There is no place for racism in the church. There simply isn't. That is a terrible sin. Our arms should be open. True worship accommodates different ages. Children. Old people. True worship accommodates different races. And we should be very welcoming. Because this is what Christ's triumph is. He came for all peoples. Amen. Let's pray. Father, how wonderful it is that you sent Jesus, that you so loved the world that you sent Jesus. 
to redeem a people for yourself. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that this people don't all look like us. Thank you that from every nation and every tongue and every tribe, every race, you are gathering, protecting, and preserving for yourself a people. We pray that we would have that vision and understanding and rejoice in it, saying, hallelujah, what a Savior. What a Savior. And so, Heavenly Father, forgive our sins of exclusivity. And we pray that We would be inclusive in this sense that Jesus is. But we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.